We need you, Jake. Either way, it has to be you. It was a cheap shot. Jake's Achilles heel has always been his sense of responsibility. I could see him weakening. Marco can be in charge, he said helplessly. Again, he pulled his hand away. This time, I let him go. He's smarter than I am. Or Tobias. Or Axe. Or you. Rachel. Anyone. Anyone but me. You know why I was in charge in the first place, Cassie? Because once upon a time, a long time ago, Marco said I was. Jake, that's not the whole truth. Well, now my term of office is over, he continued bitterly. So how about for once you guys figure things out and tell me what to do? Then he turned and walked away, and just kept walking. And I die. Mm -hmm. Because, like, holy fucking shit! Wow. Just Cassie, full on going for the jugular. Yep. And this is, we've talked about this before, about how Cassie has this innate ability to cut to the heart of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is what we talk about, like, heart characters, like, high empathy characters can make for very compelling villains. Because mm-hmm. they're so perceptive about people. Um, and you can say, like, we're with her in Eliza. She immediately hates that she said this, but it worked, didn't it? Mm -hmm. And we see what's about to happen is Cassie's continuing manipulation of the situation. Yep. And, like, not not to uh, disregard Danielle's thesis statement, um, actually, one of the others could step up to be Mm -hmm. leader. Mm-hmm. It would just require an adjustment period and time they don't really have. Yeah. And also, but that's, Caspian, like, you need to be the leader because she is scared. And she needs Jake to be the center again. Mm-hmm. Because they don't work without him as the leader. That's the only, it could work without him being the leader. But for 50 books, he has been. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do this yet without him. Yeah. And I can, his burnout is so real. Like, Jay being like, can somebody else just tell me what to do? Mm-hmm. Like, my heart aches for him. Like, he is an asshole in this. But he is also grieving. Mm-hmm. And he's burnt out. And everyone is looking at him to tell them what to do. And he doesn't even know what to do with himself. Mm-hmm. Like, that is something, someone deserving of compassion. Yeah. Not criticism. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but there it's... isn't the time to coddle him, to help him through it. Yeah. It reminds me of... um what was it book 30 with marco uh and like in the middle of a of the battle and marco is no i think it was 35 um and marco is having a bit of a breakdown and cassie starts to like talk to him all soothingly and jake is just like no marco deal now <laughs> and that's what works in that situation um because 
Jake just needed Marco to act and not to, like, heal. <laughs> uh, oh, and that's... You, mm -hmm. you know what's just hitting me in this moment as you say that? Mm -hmm. And to be fair, Cassie is doing it throughout this book. She's trying to be Jake. Mm -hmm. She's trying to do what Jake does. Mm -hmm. Tell somebody to snap out of it be the one to manipulate matters and she hates it so much no wonder she wants jake to do it mm -hmm. yeah and my heart is breaking a little bit as i have this realization mm -hmm. yeah the entire first bit of first like half of this book is her trying to uh be like fill that hole mm. that jake has left uh, in terms of like necessary roles like it's it's like she recognizes that her role as the heart is not as useful right now and not as critically necessary as a leader and so she is trying to fill that hole Meanwhile, trying to get Jake to step up back into that role. Because uh, she knows that she can't do this long term. Uh, it's very like, I think it, it, it might be one of the tasks of Hercules, or maybe I'm just thinking of some fiction that I've read about uh, taking over for Atlas for a hot minute. Mm. Um, I definitely read something recently. I don't know what it was. But somebody being scared that Atlas wasn't going to come back uh, and they would be stuck burying the weight of the world. Mm -hmm. um, Atlas, please come back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that notion of I can do this for a little while, but I cannot maintain this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, before we move on, just the just a tiny tiny little detail here of Jake's list of people who can be the leader. Yeah, in order, order. <laughs> Marco, Tobias, Axe, Cassie, Rachel. <laughs> Jesus. Uh huh. It's fine. Totally like, fine. We done. We done new, but also. <laughs> Seeing it laid to... out. Yeah, you're not supposed to say the quiet part loud, Jake. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, Cassie Brutal. goes, <laughs> after having this conversation with Jake, she goes and tells everybody, hey, Jake called a meeting. And he has done no such goddamn thing. And then two minutes before the meeting starts, she goes and tells Jake, like, hey, we're having a meeting. Uh... And uh, so everybody is gathered around this fire, uh, all of the humans and also Toby. Um, and, and everybody is not not happy. Everybody is very awkward and quiet and angry. Uh, Jake is just looking at the fire. Rachel is sitting with her arms over her chest. Marco is looking at the sky. Axe is hovering behind Toby. Lauren and Tobias are just kind of like sitting next to each other with Tobias and Human Morph just like vibing. Uh, 
And Toby's like, hey, Jake, you called us together. Do you, did you have something to say? And Jake's like, uh, what? <laughs> uh, Cassie, to her credit, immediately fesses up like, no, I'm the one who called this meeting. I just wanted to talk uh, to clear the air. We're not working together uh, and we need to be. Uh, and she looks at the the parents and she's like, I know it's hard on you all. But if you can just try to understand what we're, we're doing, what we believe to be in everybody's best interest. And Naomi's just like, why? Why am I sitting here being lectured to by a literal child? Uh, we're living in the woods. And every time I try to leave, a creature drags me back. Uh, why am I like I'm a prisoner here? Why? Um, and she turns to the other parents like. Michelle, Walter, Eva, Peter, Lauren, we're being held prisoner. Why are we letting this happen? Why have we let our children abduct us from our lives? Um, and Rachel is full on ready to fight again. <laughs> Just like, how many times do I have to say it? We're trying to stop the Yerks and we're trying to stay alive while we're doing it. Trying to keep you alive, too. These past months, while you were busy fighting battles on paper and arguing in court, Jake and me and the others, we've been fighting. And Naomi's just like, I'm sick of you insulting me. When did, how did you turn out to be so arrogant? So sure nothing can be solved by compromise or negotiation. So sure all disagreements have to be settled by force or violence. And like... Fucking hell, Naomi. Like, Christ. Like, yes, <laughs> Rachel can be prone to arrogance. This is known. But Naomi doesn't have the context. What a fucking mm -hmm. brutal thing to say to your child. Yeah. In front of an audience as well. Mm hmm. Uh, also, we know Rachel is sensitive about this. Uh huh. I would pay money to know what is going on in Rachel's head in this moment. Right? How close is she to turning bear to punt her mum across the fire? <laughs> I mean,. But she can't because this is her mum and she loves yep. her mum. Yep. No question. <laughs> yep. But like, god damn. Mm -hmm. I'll show you what can and can't be solved by violence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Ca Cassie's dad is just like, Cassie, surely these yerks can be reasoned with. Most people can be. What can we give them that would satisfy them? And it's like, It feels. <laughs> this is, to, given the topic of this book and Emily, feel free to shoot this point down. But this is big. Have you tried yoga? <laughs> oh no! Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like they're new to this. They're obviously like well, the first thing that. Oh, why don't you do this? Have you tried this? Like, yeah, we have exhausted every avenue here. Hi, our introduction to this world was literally our most feared enemy eating the person who gave us this power. Exactly. Alive. It's like, very just like, oh, have you considered you might have this problem? She's like, mm -hmm. yeah, dog. Yeah. Yeah. It was that yeah. whole um, big, also Ron Swanson, I know more about this than you. Yes. And like that notion of going to the doctors with the fucking file as thick as the mm -hmm. phone book. And then mm -hmm. being like, well, let's just run these. We've done the tests. We know it's not this. Mm -hmm. Please take the time to educate yourself. Because mm -hmm. I have done the work. 
Mm-hmm. Need I need you to get where I am. Yeah. It it makes me think that like the kids have done their parents a disservice by trying to mm. protect them from the realities of what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can absolutely understand why they have made this choice. Um, but also I think it has almost made things harder for them in the long run. Um, because yeah, you they're can see how it would have made stuff more difficult maybe at first. But mm-hmm. then they would have had their parents on board rather than mm-hmm. it would have made a bumpy mile one, mm-hmm. except now we're at mile 10 and we're hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it also uh, ties this this statement by Walter. Um, it does remind me of the the whole Cassie is not written as a black person. Um because yeah, I feel like dad. <laughs> I feel like her dad uh would recognize that a lot of people sure can't be reasoned with. Um you know mm-hmm. uh, uh but in response to this comment by Walter, Jake is like, uh he's <laughs> He does the brooding figure in the corner being melodramatic thing. Like, they want our souls. <laughs> Which isn't supposed to be funny, but it's really funny to me. It's it's, it's big edge lord vibes. Yes. <laughs> um, that, that is so perfectly a teenage in angst mode. Mm-hmm. And he's right to be in angst mode, but that is such a beautifully melodramatic teenage girl yep. thing to say. Uh, and so Jake finally like stands up and takes not center stage, but takes the stage. Uh, and he's like, look, as long as Visser one is in charge, there is no negotiation possible. He wants total control of earth. He wants everyone to be his slaves. Uh, if another Visser came to power, sure. That might be different. Maybe, but this is the reality we have. And Walter's just like, but aren't there other Vissers? <laughs> Would it be possible to tell Visser One will negotiate, but not with him? And Eva's just like in the corner, just like <laughs> smiling at Jake, like, "Wow, this this man guy. really you doesn't get it." <laughs> and and she's like, "I don't mean to sound condescending, Walter, but you have no idea who we're dealing with. If we approach Visser One for any reason, he'll kill us." period. If we're lucky. If he stops to think, he'll probably torture us first, just in case we've been holding back any useful information. And all the other parents... (laughs) This is being like, oh, let's put her in charge. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that scene in Aliens where they're talking to Newt, she's like, she survived this long, let's Mm -hmm. put her in charge. Mm -hmm. Less played for the lols. But this is when Naomi's like, okay, Eva, you tell us what to do because you clearly know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to read this part, too. Um, Naomi looked at Rachel. Her, her face was tense. I have three daughters to care for, she said. A year from now, I want to still have three daughters. What do I have to do to keep them safe? Believe you're at war. 
Eva said simply. You're a parent and a soldier. Learn to follow orders. Learn to respect experience. Okay, fine, Naomi answered crisply. Eva, you used to be a big shot in the Yurk organization. You know how the enemy thinks, what they're likely to do, and you're old enough to drive. I'll accept your word. Eva shook her head. There's only one enemy Visser One respects and fears, and that's Jake. He needs to be our leader. My father spoke up. Even if he can do the job, he shouldn't be expected to. It's an enormous burden. It isn't fair to ask him. No one asked him in the first place, I thought. No one asked any of us. I looked at Jake. He looked like he was about to cry. My father stood, walked to Jake's side, and put his hand on his shoulder. I don't understand all of this, Jake. I don't really know what happened to your parents, but until they come back, or... Well, I want you to consider yourself part of our family. Jake's mouth went tight. Yes, he was going to cry. I felt it like I'd been punched in the stomach. If Jake lost it, I'd lose it. We'd all lose it. We'd all just break down into a sobbing, screaming, guilt-ridden, terrified group. Kids, adults, pork probably even Axe. Hold on, I mentally willed Jake. Hold on. I saw Rachel watching him, her blue eyes wide with concern. Even her mother, not Jake's biggest fan these days, seemed to be waiting for his reaction. The hork watched Toby. They would take their cue from her, but Toby's eyes were glued on Jake. Her massive lower jaw jutted forward. Jake was the center. If the center didn't hold... It seemed like we waited for hours, but it was probably only thirty or forty seconds before Jake stood taller and expelled his breath in a long, steady stream. He met my eyes, then my dad's. When he spoke, his voice was clear and strong. I appreciate that. I really do. And I appreciate the fact that you don't think my being asked to lead is fair. The funny part is, I agree. It's not fair. But I guess it's no news that life's not fair. Naomi mumbled something under her breath, then looked embarrassed for interrupting. Look, Jake went on, this isn't the life I would have picked. Man, if I could go back, do it all over again but I know that whether I like it or whether you like it, I'm the best qualified person for the job. Understand me, I don't want it. I'm just saying I'm willing to do it, if you want me to, but it's your call. My dad looked at my mom. She turned to Eva. Eva took her husband's hand, nodded to Lauren, then she raised her hand. So did my mom, so did my dad and Lauren and Peter, so did Toby and every hork Rachel's mom frowned, looked around the group from face to serious face. Finally, she raised her, her arm, only halfway as if she were beaten. Mass psychosis, she pronounced. That's all I can guess. So, what are your plans, Sar Jake? My plans? Jake shoved his hands down into his pockets. To keep us alive. If this had been a movie, we'd all would have stood and cheered, vowed to follow our leader anywhere, even to the grave, to die for the cause. Braveheart, the Patriot, Gladiator. One for all, all for one. Blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't a movie. It was real. I watched Jake's face. I had to admit he didn't exactly look like an inspirational leader. He looked like a sad, harried kid. And it felt like my fault. <clears throat> this moment where, like, Jake is in the center of everything and he has to willingly put back on this mantle is so heartbreaking because you know that in the moment he's doing this 
he's accepting that there is no going back. Like, he he put it down because he can't handle it, and it's tearing him apart, and he knows it's killing him. But then he picks it back up because everybody needs him to. And he does it with the knowledge that, like, there won't be any putting it down again. And it's a lot. And I die. Mm-hmm. And everybody looking at him and just waiting for him to say something. Like, everybody putting all of their hopes and fears and everything onto this, like, 16-year-old kid who's just struggling not to cry. Who, all he wants is to cry and to like be held by his mom and not think about any of this ever again and instead he has to be the adultiest adult around and take this up and bear the weight of everybody because they expect him to and I hate that for him like this kid mm-hmm. is so broken. What was that post I shared just yesterday about characters who view themselves as tools and will mm-hmm. sacrifice themselves mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. altar of that? Here we are. Here it mm-hmm. is. Yep. For all we were just joking about uh, Jake's edgelord statement. It's also him knowing that he is going to lose mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Because this time, although it's voted for, he's choosing to step into the role. Mm-hmm. He's offering himself up yeah. for the slaughter, basically. Yeah. And um, I've not seen or read june but i know there's like the box that you put your hand in that really fucking hurts and the whole like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. i don't f- fully understand the full content of that but that's like part of being a leader is is yeah. facing something you know is going to hurt mm-hmm. and that's jake here isn't it i mean yeah and i i'm not trying to Uh, diminish what he's doing here and i say this isn't bravery on his part this is acceptance Mm -hmm. and those are two very different things Mm -hmm. Um, because this is like going in eyes open Mm -hmm. already feeling like you are broken Uh, like this this is this is putting weight on the broken leg this is Mm-hmm. leaning into the sword that's been stabbed into you like mm-hmm. and with that line Cassie's like I couldn't help but feel like this was my fault whatever it is your fault in the yeah. sense that you orchestrated this mm-hmm. like you did not create the overall circumstances 
that's not on you but this moment where everybody is there looking at him that is on you Mm -hmm. and you make that choice and I'm not saying it was the wrong choice but you need to admit it to yourself Mm -hmm. I think this it's interesting if you draw a line between this moment here where Cassie effectively forces Jake to step up and her choice at the end of the book and what she stops Mm -hmm. Jake from doing. Mm -hmm. Because Cassie, as we were saying at the top, has assigned herself his tether. If he goes down, she knows she's going down too. Like... She has committed herself to this, for better or worse. And now that she has effectively, and I'm using these terms loosely, and I'm not trying to ascribe motivations, but the fact that she's the one forcing him back into this is doubling down her choice to do mm-hmm. the be the tether. Mm-hmm. It's like if I if I do this to him. It's not just I'm his tether, he is my responsibility now, mm-hmm. even more so than he was before, because mm-hmm. I put the crown on his head. Mm-hmm. And in a way, and because of how Cassie is written to be, any decision Jake now makes, and we see a little bit of this in this book, it's like, okay, well, Cassie, you you wanted this. I'm the leader. You guys wanted me to lead? Okay, this is what I'm doing. You mm-hmm. chose this. Mm-hmm. And we feel the weight of that through the rest of this book, I feel. And I imagine it's going to be through the rest of the books too. Mm-hmm. Oh. We already did the big, the big talk about leadership is duty right i feel like we've had that conversation before about the burden I, of leadership I feel like. mm-hmm. yeah i'm still sad about it for what it's worth <laughs> uh, yeah leadership is service leadership is duty no mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. glory in it no uh so once again good life lessons uh from animals <laughs> being the person that sucks if you're doing it right sucks yeah yeah, if you're following a leader who uh, loves everything about being a leader, you got uh, maybe, maybe, you gotta maybe double check that. <laughs> uh, not to say it's impossible uh, to have a good leader who who feels that way, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, dicey. Yeah. Uh, so the next morning, Jake calls just the animorphs together. Um, and he's like, we can't go on like this. And Marco's just, like, choking. Like, now there's a profound statement. Um, but everybody is pretty glad to see Jake, like, engaging again. Um, as he kind of does a rundown of what they do and don't have. Um, he's like, our usual sources of information have dried up. The Chi can't get any new information. Uh, because the Yerks have tightened security. Um, we don't have, we haven't had any contact with the Yerk peace movement slash the Yerk resistance movement um, because we can't get in contact with Mr. Tidwell, who was our usual contact for them. Um, 
and uh, you know we're in hiding so we can't it's much more risky for axe to try to contact the andalites um and jake is just like so in sum we're pretty fucked uh and we need to do something drastic uh and the the drastic thing is to increase the number of anamorphs um everybody immediately feels pretty bad about this because you know david um uh, but jake's like you know we can't go it alone anymore the yurks know us they know our names and our faces and if they take us down there's nobody to replace us uh so it's time to build up reinforcements. The Chi can't help us. The Yerk Resistance can't help us. We certainly can't count on the Elemist. Fuck that guy. Um, and Marco and Rachel both are like, uh, no. This this sounds like a terrible fucking idea. Uh, Rachel in particular is not having any thought about it. Um, we do get an interesting callback to... Uh, 48, where like Rachel and Cassie share a look, and Cassie muses on how not long previous to now, Rachel had encountered David again. Um, and David became a tool of Krayak, and Rachel eventually rejected Krayak's manipulations, um, and had quote unquote defeated David. And Cassie's like, had she killed David? I don't know. She didn't tell me and she never would. Like, I guess I'm glad those events are canon. I guess. Uh, but like, Cassie, you know she killed David. Oh, yeah. You know she did. There's also something, though, like, that plausible deniability for herself yeah. there isn't it it's just yeah, like that's... i i do not want to confront the truth of the matter yeah i mean that's that's the gift that rachel gave her mm -hmm. is like you're not you won't be able to handle this so i will take this for you i will do this for you and you won't have to dirty your hands with it or think about it or like confront the moral implications of it that's fine uh rachel and jake way too alike for my comfort. Uh, um, so, you know, Marco's like, all right, we can't make more Animorphs um, because the last one was a terrible disaster. And Jake is like, all right, well, maybe we don't make humans Animorphs. What if we make the Hork-Bajir Animorphs? And I'm over here like, yes, that's a wonderful idea. They're already involved in the war. They're all soldiers. They know what to do. Like. Great idea. And instead we get, there was a long pause. Then, as one, we all said, no. When you morph another animal, there's a short amount of time when the animal's brain, its instincts, pretty much dominates. It takes a lot of mental discipline and focus to get those animal instincts under control. To get them to work for, not against, your own brain. The average hork probably couldn't handle that disturbing phase. Would succumb to the panic of the mouse or the aggression of the squid, Besides, the hork didn't really need morphing ability like we did. Their bodies were well-equipped for battle as any Earth creature they could morph. Uh, I, side eye. 
this feels like the biggest fucking ass pull. It is like it. So the thing is, it is consistent with how the Animorphs have behaved toward the Hork-Bajir before. Uh, because they constantly brush them aside, discount them, treat them as less than. And yeah, I, ca- I can't fucking imagine how creatures who have survived living with a literal parasite in their brain, controlling everything, how would they cope with the notion of dealing with another mind? Mm, who can say? <laughs> who like... knows? Oh, they're uh, already prepped for battle. Yes, because you only use your morphing for battle. Yes. There is never any use. For being yes. in morph other than fighting. Yes. Never mind the fact that your real power is the healing factor. It's fine. Totally fine. Emily, would you like to have a rant about how this is bullshit before we move on? <sighs> I mean, it, it absolutely is. Uh, especially because, like, we know that they... I mean, they first of all came up with a constitution. Mm-hmm. They came up with... And uh, they're learning more and more, especially considering Rachel's mom mm-hmm. is working with them on learning things. So they're not unintelligent. They pick up on things quite quickly from what I'm mm-hmm. understanding. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where people seem to have this idea that because someone is, I mean, very clearly coded as uh, some type of possible developmental disability is mm-hmm. quite often what they seem to allude to with the Hork-Bajir. Mm-hmm. Um, means that you can't learn or be good, be good at like traditional learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would be, of course, overwhelmed by this experience. Yeah, and it's like, no, they're yeah, they're pretty capable. Like, mm-hmm. you're just not giving them the chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it's... strikes me is that they have refused consistently. Bad writing, to be clear, to change their perception of the Hawkbajir. Yeah. Yes. And I would say, oh, this is quite a neat parallel to how their parents are struggling to see them in a different mm. light. That's not what this is. This is just bad writing. This is lazy writing. This is bad. Yeah, I mean, this it's... Is, that too. This is, this, is, this is like, oh no, we would break our game modding this if we gave the Hawk Bashir the ability to morph. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make the good guys too OP and therefore our ending will be less satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it speaks of a of a, a core uh, uh, prejudice hmm. that made its way into the creation of this species. Mm-hmm. Um, that then was never examined or changed or pushed back against and it's just like it it is one of like the biggest things that is like really 
glaringly wrong is just like K.A. made an entire species quote-unquote stupid. Yeah. And like they they hand-waved an explanation for it. They sure did. They said yes, they're all stupid because they were literally made to be stupid. And I'm just like, you could have made so many other choices. So many other choices. And instead, you just doubled down on this one. And... uh, (sighs) It's so clear, like... Or it feels very clear looking at it, just like... This is the easy way out for writers, Mm -hmm. because then otherwise you have to reckon with the fact that Mm-hmm. Um, the the Yerks were allowed to infest a fully sapient species mm-hmm. who can think and feel exactly the way our human protagonists do. Yeah, uh, and then it makes all of these later things like so. Uh, otherwise, you have, why aren't the Hortbajir more of a threat? And mm-hmm. I appreciate maybe that um they didn't feel equipped to mm-hmm. handle maybe that narrative, but it really does feel like a wasted opportunity yeah um but when so much of your alien um species in a book is so heavily coded deliberately or not in the trappings of indigenous peoples and um people who went through effectively chattel slavery to then make them not intelligent enough to understand mm-hmm. their situations and take a proactive role in their own freedom. Yeah. You're done fucked up. Yeah. And it's yeah. one of those things that were other things not so good and insightful in these books, we would probably not come down as hard on it. But it feels like such a glaring misstep. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's so much time and care and effort's been put into this anti-war narrative yeah it's like they were committed to not present presenting a black and white view of like war but then made the enemies either too stupid or too like evil because the taxons are constantly painted as just evil like oh yeah don't worry about killing these ones Because they don't matter. Like, guys, you have to pick a side. You can't. Yeah, either your either your heroes are morally grey by virtue of having to fight a war, or, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not the first piece of media to have mooks that the bad guys need to kill. Yeah, but you you can't slice it both ways. Mm-hmm. It's it's just this glaring flaw in the whole thing and it covers the it 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 kind of undermines a lot of the whole series in my opinion um because it's just like oh yeah this is so good oh right yeah it it feels like this big asterisk that we have to address mm-hmm. all the time like this big caveat that we have to say, oh, this is great. Oh, but please bear in mind this. Yeah. 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 
Uh, oh, but hey, speaking of questionably ethical, <laughs> oh boy, uh, <laughs> subjects. Uh, they so they decide that the Hork Bajir can't handle this, um, and they decide they can't uh make their parents animorphs. Um, Marco straight Can up I... is like, my parents have done their time, <laughs> and Tobias is just like Lauren's been through enough. Despite the yeah. fact, you know, she already has the morphing power. Mm-hmm. I do like that he says, sorry, I can't deal. Which is just like, I, I like that honesty from him of just like, no, I would not be able to handle her being in danger with this. Like, straight up. Way to, uh, way to establish a boundary, Tobias. We're proud of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marco's just like, no offense, Cassie, but your your parents are bigger peace, love, hug that tree types than you are. Uh, if that's possible. And Rachel's mom is an even bigger loose cannon than Rachel. <laughs> um, and so they're like, all right, so maybe not the parents. And Marco's like, it has to be kids. Adults are too reality bound. It's too hard for them to suspend disbelief, even when the new reality hits them in the face. Um, and so Jake's like, all right, we look for other kids, but we still have a problem because we're going to have to figure out who's a controller and who's not. Every day, every hour counts, and we don't have time to watch our recruits for three days before we make a move. Um, and Tobias is like, I know. What's the one sort of person the Yerks don't touch? Who do we know for sure isn't one of them? And Cassie gets it a second later. The Yerks don't infest people like your mom, Tobias's mom, before she could morph. The Yerks don't want a blind controller. They don't want a disabled controller. Deaf people, people in wheelchairs, people with serious illnesses. And Rachel says, she's right. I've never seen a controller in a wheelchair, and I bet any human controller who gets cancer or loses a limb is killed. No joke. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people, Tobias said. The Yerks just write them off. So do a lot of humans. So do a lot of aliens, Marco added, giving Axe a look. Uh, and Axe is, says something gross. Um, and Cassie fights back, like, not every species measures an individual's worth by the ability to fight. And Axe is like, I understand. The Yerks don't do that. Um, and they discuss for a second, like, all right, uh, Clearly, if they can morph into an animal that's strong, they'll be strong. Like, we know that that's how that works. Um, and we don't know if morphing will necessarily heal them. Um, because it doesn't seem to work on things that you were born with. Uh, and Axe is like, yeah, uh, you know, we, we're not, yes, it, it is based on DNA, so if you're born with it, it probably won't heal, and Rachel's like, all right, well, if one of the disabled kids, uh, de- has to demorph in the middle of battle, they'd be helpless to, to get away, because they aren't healed, they can't move without their mobility devices. Um, and Jake's like, well, no more helpless than we've often been in that kind of situation. 
Uh, and Cassie is like, uh, no, this is a, this is terrible. This is a terrible idea. Nope. I was just thinking out loud. I don't actually want to do this. This sounds bad. Um, and specifically, she thinks, how could we live with ourselves if one of the new and very inexperienced Animorphs got seriously injured in battle? Died, even. There was something wrong with the whole idea. Uh, and I like that statement because it applies to anybody else they recruit. Uh, don't necessarily like this statement she comes up with. Uh, that, like, we're going to use kids less fortunate than us to keep us alive. Why are we so important? Why are we more important than anybody else? Uh, and Jake's like, everyone has a stake in this fight. Why not give other kids the power they need to fight back? Uh, and Cassie realizes that, you know, she is maybe thinking like her mother in that kind of paternalistic oh, we need to um, help these people help themselves. Um, and she thinks, would we be doing the same by giving handicapped kids the power to morph? Helping them to help themselves, arming them to defend their homes, their families, their worlds? Or would we just be burdening them with an unendurable load of misery, guilt, and pain? Hey, Cassie, that would be true, no matter who you recruited. Um, and they're like, well, we would definitely give them the choice. Um, and Marco's like, we're going to tell them, you know, give them all the information up front, um, give them a way to fight back. And if they don't want to be in it, that's fine. Um, and, Uh, Cassie's like, oh, uh, but what if some of the kids are healed and then they have to stay where they are and continue to pretend to be disabled? Wouldn't that be terrible? Um. And then Jake takes a vote. Specifically, he asks Marco, Tobias, Rachel, and Axe. He does not ask Cassie. Everyone else says that they're in. And Jake's like, Axe and Marco, get on the web, find a place that we can uh, find disabled kids. Uh, and Rachel and Tobias, be ready. Uh, don't tell the parents. Make sure that they don't get wind of our plan because they're just going to freak out and be a big problem. And then Jake turns to Cassie. And it says, Cassie, you're with us, right? And, like, I was angry and I was hurt, but what could I do? I'd been the one to insist we follow Jake. My Jake. How could I refuse now? And it's just like, uh, <laughs> the fact that Jake, this in particular feels like Jake punishing Cassie a little bit. I don't know if he's doing it consciously, but it does feel like, yeah, Cassie, this is, this is what you wanted. I'm leading. This is what you wanted. Uh, and you're, you're with me, right? You're going to stand with me because you wanted me to be the leader and now I'm being the leader and you're going to back me up, right? Like, 
Yeah. Uh, but before you move on, let's let's talk about this idea. Oh boy. Of, oh god. Uh, yeah, just just give the make more animorphs out of disabled people because the orcs aren't gonna look at disabled people. The Yurks being inherently or painted en masse as being this degree of ableist mm-hmm. in and of itself is bad, but we, and also, when I say but, this is more of a filler word rather than being objecting to my previous statement, to be clear. Um, we've seen, uh, after, like, talking about, like, when you are X. Get it's all like upgrade, like the top tier hosts, like they want to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a fascist coded enemy, this aversion to disabled bodies is consistent. Yes, um, eugenics, um, as a tool of, of fascism and a movement, um. We don't know this shit fucking sucks. The d- the demeaning and viewing of disabled people as less than human, deemed less worthy. And I understand from like an intellectual perspective why the choice to have Yerks reinforce that mode of belief is thematically consistent. Mm-hmm. However, a person in a wheelchair being an un- an un- being not considered viable as a host because they can't walk seems like a really bizarre objection to have to something that doesn't walk already. Mm-hmm. It doesn't makes it when so much of what the Yerks seem to find the freedom in in a human host, the ability to do X or Y experience one thing or another thing. Like we meet a character um, with cerebral palsy uh, later in the book um, who an incredibly intelligent guy um, who's in a wheelchair and has a severe speech impediment as a result. Mm -hmm. That would be that like what Yerk wouldn't love that brain. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with Yerk technology as well. Yeah. Like fucking Stephen King was not Stephen King. Different vibes. Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Very different vibes. Um, but Stephen Hawking was publishing and stuff. Like the the speak and say technology he used was around then. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Props to Hawking, who was like offered better tech for like his text to speech. She's like, no, this is my voice now. I want to keep this. Like mm-hmm. King, that time the King was intentional. <laughs> um, but it's such a messy thing to uh, outright go. The Yerks wouldn't be interested in a disabled body when. Disable disabilities run such a massive gamut mm-hmm. as well. 
to carte blanche say all disabled people bad host body like really fuck it all of them <laughs> buddy you have you watched like if you wanted extreme exceptionalism have you seen the paralympics like just as a fucking extreme example mm -hmm. i do not like this was uh, something for people that maybe don't listen to uh, Dumb Kids Playing Hero. When I brought on my character Kel, fully expecting them to be part-time, not for me, but Danielle and I expressly talked about how, because this was the assumption I brought in without knowing anything about the canon, that a body, a disabled body uh, with sensory processing issues um would not be an ideal choice mm -hmm. for a host body um and danielle and i told her she's like no a body's a body like especially if there is use specific uses to a host like yucks complain all the time when they get a host body they don't like like afchan and a fucking six-year-old girl mm -hmm. um so there are drawbacks to any kind of body. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I mean, uh, my like pain issues are fairly minor compared to a lot of my uh, Spoonie friends. But it's like, oh, come on, brain, don't, don't lose the thought halfway through. Uh, I complain about fucking having to live in a meat mech all the time. Like, the the day-to-day -day grind of phys existing physically there's such a big scale of it mm -hmm. like to a yuck is somebody who's in pain all the time but can otherwise see and move and hear is that a viable host mm -hmm. question mark like and then it feels like a weird arbitrary line of okay but how disabled is too disabled Mm -hmm. like what's the fucking benchmark for like fucking going to a and this sometimes feels a little bit what it's like going to a fucking used car lot and being <laughs> like well the brakes aren't great on this one but terrific mileage versus like what criteria are the Yerks using to depict yeah. like the book making this choice to have the kids use the narratively convenient fashion eugenic views of the Yerks as a, oh, well, this is a possible source of people mm -hmm. that we can recruit from. Don't, we're going to get into the fact that there are other children later. We'll scream about it some more. It's, as it's thematically consistent. Mm -hmm. and it is us on the outside poking all the holes that rightly should be here mm -hmm. but it's like fucking hell of all the choices to make I just by like I could I could have come up with a few different alternatives like, if you want to be fucking dark about it, go to a fucking children's hospice. Like, oh, well, they're going to die anyway. Is that a better way of looking at it? No, I don't think it is, to be clear. 
<laughs> Let me stress, I am not pro the recruiting of child soldiers. Um, it just feels like such... Something that probably looked real good on paper as an idea and nobody thought to ask, hey, should we maybe check in with actual disabled people and see how this reads? Yeah, they they absolutely did. You can tell. Yeah. Please, Emily, the the floor is yours. Have <laughs> um, it definitely reeks of that. Uh, we we've talked about a lot about the the white liberal uh, feeling of disabled people need care a lot of the time. Um, Especially, I think a lot about how we got a lot of the disability rights that we have now and a lot of disability activists we have currently um, because a lot of them talk about how so much of how we got where we are today was done by disabled people proving that they can do a lot more than people realize. Uh, like, one of my favorite quotes by Judy Human is her talking about how to literally uh, stop a bus with your wheelchair. Hmm. Uh, and people don't think about how a wheelchair or a mobility device is an extension of the body. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later with one scene in particular. Um, but, you know... It it just really hammers home that this feeling of, well, they're helpless anyway right now, so why don't we give them the feeling of being able to do something? Mm -hmm. And it's it's very like, we have to help because nobody else will, and we also need something. So let's make this about being mutually beneficial instead of, you know, actually listening and mm. making this not about us as able-bodied people. Mm -hmm. There's also, like, a, say a touch. There's something kind of gross, kind of a lot of gross of going, of making this choice now. Yes. Just like our last resort, the disabled children. Yes. We've exhausted all other possibilities. Like, my guys. <laughs> if, like, this attitude of, well, how about we approach other people who feel powerless earlier on? Yeah, I know it's the David thing, but plot <laughs> is plot is plot. Like... It I I it leaves a bad feeling in my mouth, one hundred percent. That when all other all other options had to be considered first. Agreed. Because, like you were saying, Emily, it's just sort of like because from a ableist perspective, disabled people are not useful. And that we could go, we could go take a sideways dip into the whole. This is 
capitalist brain rot and a person's worth is determined by what they can do. And that whole ugly aspect of the system. Right. But we have a lot more book to talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it just... I think handled differently if the conversation was different. Mm -hmm. This could be quite interesting and impactful. And thankfully, we do get to hear from disabled people in this book. Um, And they are very realized people and we're going to meet them and we'll have much more positive things to say. Um, And I do appreciate how much agency is stressed throughout Mm. this conversation. Um, You kind of wish they would extend the same care to the, to the Hawkbajir, frankly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, have these bitches even offered Toby the ability to morph? They have not. No. no. Fucked up. Because mm-hmm. um, all of your arguments about Hawkbajir not being good, uh, good, not being a good fit for morphing kind of fall out the window with that, don't they? Mm-hmm. She deserves better. She does. She does. Uh, shout out to Dumb Kids Playing Hero. We've <laughs> made this choice. It happened off screen, but we made this choice. Yep. Fuck yeah. Give the, you get the morphing ability, and you get the morphing ability, and you. Get the ability. <laughs> um, because we are chaos gremlins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this, dear listeners, is the crux of this book. That's what the rest of this book is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Is is this choice the kids make? The out, uh, this choice the kids make, the people they meet and bring in to the war, mm-hmm. and uh, a big ass battle on the end because it's animals, mm-hmm. and we need to uh, demonstrate the stakes mm-hmm. and the choices being made. Mm-hmm.